God bless you. You may be seated. And um, as I've shared before, um, if anyone wants to chat with me, you're more than welcome to do that. I've had some, some good conversations, received some good letters, and, um, and so uh, some I send straight back to Wayne because they, they're local matters. But in essence, the way that the process works in, in, in the Christian Family Centre is that the local leadership team and the, the board of directors, elders work together to ensure that these decisions. So even this, the budgetary decisions, these ones are submitted to the board and uh, we endorse them for all of our church, including the Seton Church. We put our budget together and then the board has to look at it and say, okay, does it line up? And, uh, and so you're really being managed well, have been for, for, for many years, particularly in the financial area. When I came to Christ in uh, 1971, I was just a kid, 17-year-old, just like Ian. Right? I had longer hair than you, though, Ian. It was down to here. And, um, and so um, I came into Christ in the Jesus movement era. And, and did anyone get saved in the Jesus movement? Are you, some of you old enough to, you know, that movement where millions of young people were swept into the kingdom of God? Right across the world, you know, it started in California and right across the US, Europe and, uh, and Australia. And um, so in coming to Christ as a 17-year-old, um, I, I immediately, I failed my high school. Can you believe it? That year I failed. I failed year 11 and failed year 12. It's not a good example because um, I was pretty wild and wasn't responsible but of course, getting saved, you become responsible because Jesus now lives in you. So, uh, so I started studying in the final few weeks after I got saved, but I still failed because the first three quarters of the year, I just was naughty. Um, so I went back to the school, the high school. So my mother, typical Greek mother, like she just said, well, boy, you're going back to school, even if you have to be 10 years in high school. And so uh, if you know Greek mothers, you know, just life wouldn't have been worth living to oppose her. So, um, so, uh, so anyway, so I went back to school for my seventh year in high school. And, and amazingly, that year I passed. Thank you. I'm, you know, I passed. I went to university and got a couple of degrees in Bible college and all that afterwards. But um, I set up a Jesus club. I don't know what to call it. You know, now they call them Christian fellowships or, you know, very... Everyone had clubs, you know, boxing club and, and uh, footy club and chess club and I don't know what it was. So I thought, oh, let's set up a Jesus club. Anyone interested in Jesus can come along. And so when they heard that Vasilakis had got saved or become got religion, there was a lot of interest. So <laughs> we set this Jesus club up. And, folks, uh, seriously, it was a... Revival that took place in Underdale High School uh, was turned upside down. I, I could hardly, I, I hardly knew the Old Testament. Um, I, I, you know, was, uh, in fact, in, in the first few months, I was still addicted to nicotine. Uh, I was smoking since I was 11 years of age. So I was really hooked, whereas drugs, uh, marijuana, that dropped off, alcohol, drunkenness, that dropped off. Um, you know, immoral lifestyle, all that stuff dropped off, foul, foul mouth swearing. It was terrible. So all those things dropped off except nicotine. So I'm, you know, how do I get free of this thing? And so, um, um, but I set up this Jesus Club. I knew hardly anything about the, the Old Testament. I, I was not trained in any way except just that I knew Christ was real. And he was living in my life. I knew that my sins were forgiven. I, I knew that, that uh, he was the person who he claimed to be. Um, he really was God's son. And we sang about that today, that hymn of Charles Wesley. Oh, man, wasn't that something? Um, the words, poetic words. And he came to die so that we might live. He came to bring light, the light of God, to show us what God the Father was like. And then... If a person responds, the life of God can come within them and they're born again. Well, I experienced that. So in setting up the Jesus Club, I just talked about Jesus. I just talked about Jesus. And, um, and I threw in a couple of scriptures, but God moved amazingly. And we had, out of a school of 750 young people, 
um, the largest meeting we had was 250 young people. So we were averaging 90 kids to a meeting uh, uh, three times a week, and then the other two lunchtimes was prayer meetings. Um, we had, uh, I still remember, 30 young people in the music room, in a soundproof music room, all lined up. They all wanted to get baptised in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. So I said, well, okay, we better... We had a half an hour to do it before the school closed down at the end. So we thought, oh, we better go to the music room. So I, I just taught them. I just said, well, this is what the Bible says about it for about a month. To talk. And then I said, now we're going to come. And, and, and I didn't know what to do. I just watched my pastors. And I said, well, look, um, um, before I pray, you won't be able to speak in tongues. After I pray, you will be able to speak in tongues. They would look at me. Okay. So the moment I lay hands on you, I said, I'll pray. We've got 15 minutes. The moment I lay hands on you, just start speaking in tongues. Go for it in Jesus' name. Receive. I didn't know any better. I just And so we did that, and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of it, there were two or three young people manifesting demons. So there was a terrible commotion. And I'm thinking, what the heck was that? So I didn't know what was going on. So, so um, And I thought, man, I'm glad the music room is soundproof. <laughs> so I rang up one of my pastors and said, this is what's happened. I don't know what to do. He goes, well, bundle them in the car and bring them up to me. <laughs> so I still remember Pastor Simpson. Um, it was a beautiful, he's just gone to be with the Lord now. And, um, and Ian, um, I just watched him just counsel these uh, wonderful young people. And it was uh, terrible trauma, traumatic stuff. And uh, one family was involved in witchcraft. And it was, uh, and then the other couple, they were, they were sexually abused by an uncle, uh, you know, and it was just shocking. And I'm, I'm watching this pastor operate. And then in the midst of, of ministering the gospel of life, these ugly demons come out, come out of people, just terrible, you know. And, uh, but I saw liberation in life. I'm not saying that anyone, everyone caught up in witchcraft or everyone who's been sexually abused becomes demonised. There are other reasons for that. But I saw that with my own eyes, watching Pastor Simpson drive out evil spirits like Jesus did. And I'm all gog-eyed, you see. And so I see them get baptised in the Holy Spirit, uh, speaking in tongues, I saw evil spirits come out of people. People were healed. Kids were healed of sicknesses. Families, the kids were praying for their parents. Some of them got saved and got healed. And then some of the school teachers got saved. Amazing. And um, the principal really was a bit upset with me. And, uh, and he was an old Lutheran. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, he calls me into his office and well, the, the message came, Mr. Bill Vasilakis, the principal wants to see you. I'm like, okay. So all the, all the kids go, ooh, you know. So I go in there. So, so Mr. Mueller, his name was, lovely man. He's sitting on his desk with his cigarette and, uh, and uh, having a puff. And, and he says, Bill, I've got to talk to you. And he, he's a big guy. He got up and he says, now, looked at me. He goes, what's all this business about speaking in tongues? And I'm thinking, yeah, like, so I'm, I didn't know what to say, what to do, but I just opened my heart and said, you know, Mr. Mueller, I said, this is just an experience of, of what happened in the book of Acts. You can read it in Acts chapter 2, and, and um, it's, it's a gift that God gives, and et cetera, et cetera. And I just start talking to him, and then I find the next half hour, he's apologising to me why he didn't go into Lutheran ministry and why he went, why, why he decided to become a teacher. He's confessing to me why he kind of is not a pastor. And I'm thinking, this is nutsville. This is like so it was like God had 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 touched his heart. So even he, the principal, was deeply impacted. And um, um and we had the, the local communist teacher, he wanted to he set up a uh, uh, a committee saying we've got to shut this down. So he came to the meeting. And we didn't know what to do, so we just looked at, just read the scriptures, and we just, oh Lord, just shut his mouth in Jesus' name, that he won't say anything. So he came in, and, and we're worshiping. I mean, it was like a full-on worship. And so he sat down there, and literally, it was like his mouth was glued, and his eyes were sticking out of his head. It's like, and we're all going. Was he going to? And he was pretty wild, pretty real lefty. You know, he was actually a member of the Communist Party, and he was a teacher as well, and and wild, anti-Christian. His mouth was shut and he couldn't say anything. The school was turned upside down, actually the right side up, as it says in Jason, uh, when, when, when Paul was there. Now, for me, at the end of that year, and as I'm um, thinking, what do I do with the rest of my life? 
Um, and uh, my mum just said, you know, mum said, well, you're going to university, that's, that's a given. You want to be a lawyer, doctor, teacher, whatever, but you're going to university, that's it. So you choose. So she made the big picture decision, but I can do the little ones. She said, you know, we're working class people and we've worked our butts off and you guys are going to get a university training and that's it, that's the Greek way of doing it, you know, and again, you don't mess with them. Um, so I didn't know what to do. And mum wants me to go to university, but in my heart there were these, these feelings and thoughts of I really like what, what I've experienced because it was so supernatural, it was so miraculous, it was so real of young people coming to faith that there's a little voice saying within, I could do this for the rest of my life. Oh, but I didn't want to say that. You know, like the audacity of me. And so, so I didn't know what to do. And, and I wanted to go to Bible college with Pastor Harrison, Pastor Barry Chant, and it was Crusade Bible College, four nights a week. And uh, uh, some of you have, have done that. Pastor David uh, Smythe went a few years earlier than me. And I didn't know what to do. So I just went to prayer. And I was working in the uh, Helping Hand Hospital, the Methodist Hospital, Uniting Church Hospital. It was Methodist then in those days. And uh, uh, with all the oldies. And in Molesworth Avenue, North Adelaide. And uh, so it was a terrible job, really, um, because I was getting beat up all the time by these old boys that were coming up and hitting me on the head with a stick because they thought I was pulling out their roses and their flowers. And, and, uh, and I'm saying, no, I'm pulling out the weed. Oh, stop doing that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm... And what do you do with people with dementia? Like, hit them back? No, you can't. So I'm doing my gardening and watching like this. I was terrified someone's going to come and clobber me. So I'll go to prayer and lock myself in a shed for um, just for uh, an hour a day during my, my lunchtime, saying, God, what do I do with my life? And direct me. This is January 1973. I just turned 19. So I've been 15 months, 18 months in the faith. And as clear as anything, uh, I think it was on the Thursday after four days, I felt the presence of God very powerfully in, in that shed and I didn't see anything, I didn't hear anything, but I had clearly the, the, the voice of God in my own spirit, through the Holy Spirit, speaking to me very clearly, and gave me four pieces of information for my life. And, and really, um, and one of them was, yes, I've called you into, into ministry, and you, you are to dedicate your life to serve my purposes. And uh, the desire you have in your heart, I've put it in there. And, um, but you are to be trained in the ways of the world and the ways of God. And there was a couple of other bits of information. And um, um, in fact, one of them was he showed me that I'm a Western suburbs boy. He showed me that I'd be leading a great church in the Western suburbs that would have a significant influence across uh, the city and, and, and across the state and country. And, uh, and of course, I kept that one to myself for about 20 years. I never uttered a word about it until the evidence was there. Otherwise, people think, you're a crazy person. I'm only 19. And um, so, but the, the clear voice was, you be trained in the ways of the world, be trained in the ways of God. So I thought, oh, mum's right and God's right. University and Bible college. So I did the both at the same time. So I went to Flinders Uni <laughs> and then did four nights a week Bible college for a couple of years. I say that because out of that experience, I, I dedicated my life to saying, I want to see the book of Acts replicated in churches. That's all. So if there's a vision, if there's a, a purpose uh, that's overriding in my life is that I'm a churchman, I'm a revivalist, and I've, I've had no other image but to see what Luke describes in the book of Acts become the norm and the reality within our churches. And so the vision and, and mission of the Christian Family Centre, and that's all of our Christian Family Centre churches, is to truly be a book of Acts church, no more, no less. And I reckon it's the most exciting vision uh, because it's actually, you can't make it happen. It has to be Jesus that actually does it through us. And so uh, uh, that's, that's the reason one of the reasons I wrote The Church We Can Be is, is I've just outlined over the past 40 years what I've learned about church. But if you read that, you'll see it all goes back to that vision 
as a child. I'm only 17, 18, 19. And it captured my heart. And uh, I'm now looking at writing a book, the fourth one. I think it's going to be called A Jesus Movement. of uh, Not The Jesus, A Jesus Movement, because I really feel that this is what we're on about. It's not about building a denomination. It's not about building a name. We belong to a denomination. I had one, the CRC Church International, the movement we belong to. Um, we have a name, Christian Family Centre. But you know, really, the, 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 the one who we worship and we acknowledge is Jesus Christ. And when you read the book of Acts, you see very clearly what the vision of the church should be. And I want to just outline this to you today. And uh, because it's, I've entitled my, my message, Doing Life Together with Jesus. Um, and, and I want to read the scripture to you and just make a few, a few simple points. And, uh, uh, and Dr. Luke tells us what a real Christian community looks like. And you know what it is? And I've just said it's, it's doing life together. Most doing life together, but with Jesus. Um, and there are churches today that do life together, but Jesus doesn't really get a look in. Or they say, well, look, we like these passages and these statements of what he said, but these ones we don't like. So we will kind of we'll create a Jesus of our own conjuring and he'll fit in to our vision for the church. But no, a New Testament church is outworking the vision he has for his church because he is the living head. We're the body, so he's the living head and he works through us. Um, and so it's doing life together with Jesus. Like I said to my daughter and son-in-law uh, in my speech, I said to them, guys, and everyone kind of looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, you know, I said, the best advice I can give you is you need a third party in your marriage. Just two of you is not enough. You need to find a third party. And everyone's going, Pastor Bill, are you crazy? Are you into polygamy, polyamory? I said, yep, you need a third person, and that person's got to be the most important, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, and I just basically said, look, you just can't, you can't pull it off. You're just not going to find the love, the power of forgiveness, the power of, of unity unless you've got an authority over you who can help you and enable you. So it was, it was just, and I think same as with the church, it, it, and, and not just theoretically. Um, and so let me read to you the passage, some passages. Very simple. This is Peter, Acts chapter 2, verses 39 to 41 in the message. This is Peter, he's preached the first message. So the Acts, Acts chapter 2 is, is the first time the Holy Spirit comes down. Bang! And they get filled and they all start to speak in, in brand new prayer languages, uh, the language of the Spirit. And then they say, what are we going to do? What is all this about? Peter then preaches. Interestingly, what he preaches is not about speaking in tongues. Because they're going, what is all this about? You know what he says? It's all about Jesus. He's alive and he's the one that sent the Spirit. This is evidence that the Spirit has, has come upon you. And so Peter said to them, he goes, guys, after he finishes preaching, he says, change your life or repent. Turn to God and be baptized in water, each one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our master God invites. He went on in this vein for a long time, urging them over and over, get out of, get out while you can, get out of this sick and stupid culture. That day about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptised and were signed up. And so Peter, right from the start, says, you know, what it's all about, what a New Testament church is about, it's actually about new beginnings, new beginnings for, 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 for many people. New beginnings. There are people in our community that God wants saved through the Christian Family Centre here in the hills. So it's actually not just about us. Church is not about us and so much what we get out of it, yet we get a lot out of it in worship and preaching, it's actually about others. It always has been about others. 
It's about Jesus working through people so that we will be an effective witness that will draw people in. And so right from the beginning, we see many new people. And the three steps are repentance, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. These are the important, what I call the first steps of turning our lives over to Jesus, to his control publicly demonstrating that we've been adopted into his family. Now, water baptism, immersion, and baptism in the Holy Spirit with the gift of of speaking in a new prayer language, they're not the evidences of salvation. Salvation is by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, that's number one. Like the thief on the cross, he didn't have a chance to get baptised in water or to get baptised in the Holy Spirit. So you've got these crazies out there who say, unless you're baptised in water by immersion, unless you're baptised in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you're not saved. Well, that's ridiculous. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if, if water baptism by immersion and baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in tongues is absolutely essential for salvation, Jesus would have said to the thief on the cross, mate, yep, you can be with me in paradise, but you've got to find a way to get off that cross, get baptised in water, and then find someone to lay hands on you, get baptised in the Holy Spirit, speak, and then get back on the cross, and you'll get to heaven. He didn't say that, because it's not true. Salvation is by grace, the free unmerited favour of God. And we respond by saying, tar, thank you. That's what faith is. However, in saying that, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that Peter... And the writers of the New Testament said, listen, God's got a package. There's a salvation package. You can have the lot. And so water baptism by immersion is very important as a public act that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I believed on a Thursday night in my own heart. But when when I publicly affirmed Christ and confessed him, it was in front of people. And then being baptized in water by immersion, a symbol that... The old life, the old Bill Vasilakis is dead. There's a new life that's arisen through Christ. So water baptism doesn't save you. It's a symbol of what Jesus has already done, but it's a public statement to say, I'm now a follower of Christ. And we say for, I was baptised as a little baby. My parents did me the Greek way. And the Greeks do it really well. If you've ever seen, get a video of it. They grab you by the feet, the priest, and they stick you right under. Once twice and the baby screams his head off three times they get oil and stick it in your ear and and they renounce they they bind the devil from you they say now you're a christian now you're born again well that's not true i thank my parents for the faith they they had and the knowledge they had but it was limited knowledge so as an adult as an 18 year old i chose to get baptized in water by immersion because i knew exactly what i was doing and and to me jesus did that He was done as a baby too. Parents did the right thing. But at 30, he said, I want to get baptised in water. The Son of God decides to get baptised in water by immersion and John the Baptist says, oh, no, you can't. Imagine Jesus is lined up with a bunch of sinners and they were bad sinners. There's an adulterer in front of him. There's a thief behind him. There's a wife beater over there. I mean, they were not nice people. And he lines up with them, the perfect Son of God. Because he said to John, John said, I can't do this, you're the son of God. He says, John, do it because it's the right thing to do. And I say to people, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for anyone. No excuses. Water baptism by immersion, and that's a prerequisite. In our CRC denomination, we say a person cannot be part of the church of Jesus unless they've decided that. But it doesn't make you a Christian. It's evidence that you are a Christian and that you are a dedicated follower of him. And baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't know where I would be. Every day I speak in tongues. Like Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you. Speaking in tongues is really important. I don't call it speaking in tongues because people kind of mystify it and and spookify it and the media. I just say it's a Holy Spirit prayer language. It's a hotline to heaven. And I need that. I need the Spirit working in me and through me all the time. And so do you. So these are the first steps. And so anyone that comes to Christ, new beginnings for many new people, is we want them to go through this. I said, this is a real heart conversion. This is going all the way with Jesus. These are, help us get firm in our faith and securely planted in Jesus' kingdom. It's all about turning our lives over to him 
uh, to his control and publicly demonstrating that we now have been adopted into his family and that I'm going all the way. This is the beginning steps. And then, and I saw this in Underdale High School. So we had 30 to 40 young people wanting to get baptised in water. So I taught them on a Saturday morning and they wanted to be done straight away. I said, but it's the middle of winter. How do you want to get done? Man, I wasn't that committed. I was freezing. We want to get done. Okay, where? At the end of Henley Beach Road, at, at, right there in the Henley Beach Road, Henley Beach. And there we were. Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I've got photos of it now. All these young people. Several of them became pastors and leaders. Some of them are uniting church ministers, Baptist pastors, school principals. I mean, these kids, they, they came to know Christ. They wanted to get baptised in water. And many of them got baptised in the Holy Spirit in that room before they got baptised in water. That's the wrong way around. You should be baptised in water first, then that. So, so they all get baptised. And there's one guy, we led him to Christ on the Saturday. He's a brand new Christian. We led him to Christ. We thought, well, he just needs to know a bit more information before he gets baptised. Well, he's at the beach and he sees it. Well, before I knew it, he took his, all his clothes off, except for a very brief pair of underwear. And it was like really cold. And he said, I want to get done. And I said, and everyone, all the girls are looking. I'm thinking, get in the water quick. So we took him straight in the water because it was a sight for sore eyes anyway. So, so we, but he said, I want to be done. I want to be done. But we had not taught him. But, you know, it taught me to say, here's a person who says, I want to publicly identify that I'm a Christ follower. And that young man has been serving God. He's now... My age, he's been served, not as a pastor, been serving God in the public service and in his local church for the past 47 or so years, 45 years. And so in those early days, I've never shifted from this. So if you want to know what my beliefs are and values are and what we as the Christian Family Centre, this is who we are, whether it's Seton, whether it's Hills, whether it's the new church down south. They did a baptism service last week, they had... The other week, they had three or four people baptised in water. So this is important. But then there's a new devotion, a new devotion that takes place. This is the evidence of, of, of uh, and the devotion is to Jesus. Have a look at these verses. It's to Jesus and to his church. We've read up to verse 41. Have a look at verse 42. It says, Then they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Interestingly, these 3,000 people, you see it straight away. A vertical relationship with Jesus shows itself in a horizontal relationship with others. It's doing life together with Jesus Christ. I've been doing life together with some fellow believers now for 47 years, ever since I got saved. I'm doing life together with people that, are, that have been saved just maybe for the last 12 months. But there's no such thing as an individual Christian isolated from the community of the church. You don't see it in the New Testament. Isolated believers, separating themselves. But in communities where there's love, where there's order, where there's governance, where there's leadership, all the way through. And, and so uh, you see this, the common meal and the prayers. So Luke is saying that these first Christians, how did they maintain their fire, that initial fire? You know how they maintained their fire? Because they wholeheartedly devoted themselves to these four spiritual disciplines, learning, fellowship, worship and prayer. That's what we've done this morning. We're learning around his word. You learn in small groups. We worship him. We fellowship together, cup of coffee, sharing, talking. That's why we want to setting up connect groups and small groups and prayer. And so these practices will fuel our faith so that we last the long distance. And so what starts as a raging fire doesn't die down to a mere flicker. And I've seen this in churches. That revival, and there might be you know, 30, 40 people come to Christ, and then there's no specific spiritual program in the life of the church to keep the fire going. How do you keep the fire going? 
learning, learning, always learning, growing, sitting at the apostles' feet, which is basically saying, look, you need teachers to teach the word, anointed teachers, called teachers, preachers who are able to open up the word or midweek Bible studies. You need to be a worshipper of Christ day by day. That's why using the gift of, of a new prayer language is so helpful to me. So when I speak in tongues every day, whether in the car, in the shower, on my own, in worship, I'm actually connecting to God and I'm talking to him, bypassing the, the limitations of my, own, of my own thinking. And it's really a precious gift. If you haven't received it, man, it'll help you in, in uh, maintaining your fervour. Worship and prayer. And so the posture of their hearts was kept in close proximity to Jesus as they gave attention, persistent attention to these disciplines. And, uh, and Luke is being very clear to us, saying this is the evidence of full conversion. Repentance, water, baptism, baptism of the Spirit will show itself that people will want to learn from the Word. They want to meet together, kinonia, fellowship, sharing, beautiful word in worshiping Jesus and being doing life together and uh, so believing and belonging go together and in this day and age I reckon there are a lot of people out there today that want to belong before they believe there's such loneliness out there there's such lostness recent surveys are saying that uh, I think 30 40 years ago most people had I think if they're in trouble, they had five friends they could talk to. I mean, meaningful friends. Now, they're lucky if they've got one. That's a shock. And so no wonder the suicide rate is up. No wonder mental health issues are going through, through the roof. People don't know, they haven't got people to talk to. And I don't mean just talk to, I mean to be in an accepting, loving, caring, giving environment. This is the church. And my hunch is out there, is, is, is people are, don't even know what we're doing. They don't even know what the environment is. You know, the media and others are, are painting a picture of what we are, and when they find out what we are, it's like, answer the honey. Why wouldn't they come to a place where it's, it's non-judgmental love and acceptance, and they can find friendship and sense of belonging? And me, we're finding many people at Seton are, are coming into the community before they actually come to believe. Whereas back in the 70s, believe first, then you can belong. And now, you belong! <laughs> You can do anything in the life of the church. We even have them cleaning. Cleaning and out in the car park, there's sometimes non-believers. Our caretaker, when he walked in, three weeks coming from, from, from Korea, he's a Buddhist who can't speak English and his wife is a lapsed Presbyterian. And my wife says, I think we found our new caretakers. I said, you're crazy. I said, caretakers have got to speak English. And they've got to be believers. So I said, I said, don't bother me now, sweetheart. I said, I'm talking to new people. You know, that's a crazy idea. Go and talk to Norm, who's the administrator. Well, they come to me after and say, Bill, we think we found our new caretaker. Char got saved, baptised in water, baptised in the Holy Spirit. Okay? From Buddhism to strong faith. His wife no longer lapsed Presbyterian. She's a full-on Pentecostal. They produced two beautiful kids. They're in, they've been our caretakers for 10 years. And so... What was it? He just felt a sense of love and belonging. And, and we didn't say, now you have to do that. You can't force a person to believe. Only God can open up the heart. But a, but a spirit of love and acceptance and kindness. Now, we didn't say get up there and preach next Sunday or run a small group. No, he's doing practical practical work. And so, so this, is, this is, to me, absolutely crucial a new devotion to the church and to Jesus. I don't know where you're at in this. Are you learning or have you stopped learning? Because if you stop learning, you'll stop growing. And if you learn, you've got to unlearn some things. Are you fellowshipping or is it just attending the church, attending on Sundays, but maybe not involved as a volunteer? to share or, or, or to belong in a small group where you're relating with people. You see, volunteering and serving together creates friendships as well. Not only are you finding a sense of fruitfulness to the gifts that you have, but also a sense of fulfilment that you, you're making new buddies and new friends. And, that, and that, that's, that's thrilling. So I encourage you, or as a worshipper, a prayer, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? If not, seek him. 
to get filled and get one of your leaders to lay hands on you and, and expect that before they lay hands on you, you won't be able to speak in tongues, but afterwards you will be able to speak in tongues. And that simple little philosophy has done me good. I've seen thousands of people come to faith. As long as they know the word and they have faith in their hearts that God will come through for them, when they step out in faith, God steps in with his presence and power. Hey, finally, this is the New Testament church, a new fruitful witness across CFC churches. This is our vision. Luke describes the results of these first Christians' devotion to Jesus and their commitment to one another. And as we read these verses, we can see clearly the observable fruit and the witness of their transformed lives through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now see if you can pick the 10 timeless transferable truths here as I read this. I'm giving you a guide. There's dot, dot, dot points dividing them all. That's not actually in the scripture. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. Now, they practiced a communalism because of their dire circumstances. We don't copy that cultural practice, but there's a timeless transferable truth there. Well, that's what we what we embrace. They followed a daily discipline of a daily discipline every day of worship in the temple, big place, followed by meals at home. Every meal or celebration exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. What do we see? as the normal fruit of this kind of church. Let's list them down, guys. There's 10. I've listed them down there for you. Deep reverence. That people had a reverence for God, for Jesus, for belonging to the body of Christ. Miraculous ministry. Healings, demons being cast out, sick bodies being healed, people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking. That's the norm. That's not abnormal. We have, a, we have an exorcism team operating at Seton. I don't know if you've got one here operating. Well, we can set one up. And Pastor Philip Bryce, he oversees it. He's got a team of people. And uh, it doesn't happen very often. But let's say even if it's, if it's say, 2% of people that come. Sometimes when people come forward out the front, if you're spiritually discerning, you can think, okay, something's going on here and it's not that healthy. And so then we identify, counsel the people, and if needs be, under supervision, we cast out that evil spirit that might be tormenting that person. And they don't even know what they're dealing with. And so uh, these things happen today. But uh, it shouldn't just happen willy-nilly, but, but uh, miraculous ministry, healing the sick, casting out evil spirits, getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. Materially generous, selfless and loving. Oh, that's what the church has got to be. Full-time Christians. Everyone said this, like, who's a public servant here? Public servants? Only one or two? Okay, Ronnie, you are a full-time Christian in the public service. You're a part-time public servant. I agree. You know, she agrees with me. Great. When you think about it, we're Christians 24-7. Wherever we are, if God has called you to serve him through your vocation, then do it. Not everyone's called to go full-time, toss in their job, but there's a mentality that we're full-time Christians. Martin Luther said, great statement, because away with the laity, for we're all clergy. We're all ministers, we're all missionaries. We all have gifts that need to find expression in the body, and we're all missionaries out there in the world. Some of us are called to toss in our vocations, like I was a high school teacher, and to go full-time, but not everyone is. doesn't mean that that person is superior to the other person or a person who's employed that somehow they're a superior Christian. So you can have a person who's employed here, but they may not be able to be, have a proficiency in healing the sick and casting out demons. There may be some of you there to form a team. We have that at church. We've got some people. We've got a, we've got a land agent who's really good at prophesying and praying for the sick. So my wife is joking with me. She goes, oh, when I get sick, I'd sooner go to him than you. I mean, why? I'm the pastor. 
because he's got faith to believe. He believes instantly. Like the gifts are there in the body. So, so this is this is like let it all flow. Whatever God has gifted you with, we give you permission to flow with it. Just don't do anything crazy. If you think of doing something crazy, we'll fix you up. Or Wayne will. You're eminently sensible, I can see that. So full-time Christians, large and small groups. The large meeting is here, small groups throughout the week. The larger you get, the smaller you must become. Seriously. The larger a church is, the smaller it must become. Because fellowship, I don't think you can really know more than about six or seven people, maybe up to ten really well. That can be done in small groups. Even in a youth ministry, Kiara, if she has, say, 30 young people, well, you're going to have to form two or three smaller units so that there's fellowship and leaders that that are there. Uh, Joyful, authentic and hospitable. Hey, I love the idea of what you're doing here. I wish I could be here for the cafe. Isn't that great? Come on, bring people along. Don't think it's just going to happen. You ask that person. The worst the worst persecution you'll get is they might say no. Wow. Most people don't come to church because they're not asked. Ask them, come along, and whoever's going to give the word, give a five-minute message, whatever it's going to be, and share the gospel. We do that with the Christmas in the Square. We have about six to 7,000 people. We have five minutes to share the gospel with maybe 5,000 non-believers. This year I'll be in Africa. I can't do it. And uh, so Cass Tompich will be doing it, and Sam... Uh, Chester will be comparing, so that's going to be their privilege. But what an opportunity. We've got to do stuff like that. So I love, I love this cafe thing. Go for it. Dependent on God and thankful to God. You see, when it says they were praising God, you can't praise God without... You're not just being thankful to him, but you're actually expressing your dependency on him. And they're respected by those outside the faith. Imagine if everyone outside goes, these Christians, like they say one thing and do the other. They've got to look in and say, these are good people. That's why you're doing this food for the teachers. What a great idea. We used to, when we were hiring schools, we'd get books and, and help them with their library, any practical thing that we could do to show kindness and love and acceptance. And it, it was just to, to, so we're part of their, their community, and I think it's a great thing to do. Imagine if, they, if, they, if everyone hated us and said, you as Christians, like, they say one thing and do the other. We must be outside. They must be res- respect us because... We're worthy of respect. We can't force that respect, but we're, we're living it. And then new people being one to Jesus and joining the church. And there must be new people. I'd love your leadership team to set a target. I don't care if it's one person a month. Set a target. Believe. We believe that one person a month can get saved. I've said the same to our guys and said, look, we're not getting enough people saved. 80 to 90 people a year make decisions. And, and there were periods of time where we were 300, 350 people making decisions. I said, come on, guys. I said, we're, we're, we're not doing it. Let's believe Jesus. He wants more people saved. How many, Pastor? Well, I'm not going to be saved. I've got about 150 a year. And that's just normal for a church of 900 people. What this thing? So stir your faith to believe that this is the normal pattern. What do we see? Deep reverence, miraculous ministry, Set up an exorcism team. Set up a healing team. Go for it in Jesus' name. Dedicated unity, materially generous, selfless and loving, full-time Christians, large and small groups, joyful and authentic and hospitable, dependent on God, thankful to God, respected by those outside the faith, new people being one to Jesus and joining the church. And as I practically examine my life and have been from the beginning, I can see where I'm straying. And say, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Help me to to, to get back to the pattern. And you know what, church? I haven't graduated from 1973 when that first revival. What I saw there as a kid, all goggle-eyed and with the wonder of it all. Ah, You know, I still have that sense of wonder. I've been doing it for 40 years and I'm still like a child. I think, this is so good. When I see someone coming to Christ and see the work of grace in their hearts as God opens their hearts and, and they, they come to faith or they, they get healed or have a demon cast out of them or marriage problem resolved or just you know getting free, and there's nothing greater in life than to see a human heart changed by the grace of Jesus and a person 
belonging to the body and seeing liberation and life take place. It's thrilling. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to our Sunday night service, and I must admit I was really busy. I didn't, I didn't even want to be there because I'd been to the two morning services quite a few months ago, so I, I brought some letters along and said, well, number was watching. And if the preacher's a bit boring, I'm just kind of at the back, I'm just doing my letters. Well, anyway, my daughter picked me up on it and told me, officers, Dad, you shouldn't be doing that. See, none of the pastors have the guts enough to confront me on that, but my daughters do. She said, you shouldn't be doing that. And I said, oh, no, sweetheart, I just got this letter I had to do. She goes, you're there. And I'd made a commitment to God. I said, if I go to a service, even if I'm not preaching or leading, I want to add value to someone's life. So I'm sitting at the back, and, and I'm not, I, I wanted to be home. And the altar call occurred, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I guess I, I need to do something. I didn't feel like it. But I just went out the front, and, and as I'm walking, I felt an impression about a woman in the church there. And, oh, okay. What's that? So, so when they, the pastor gave me the opportunity, I said, look, there's this situation. And, and it was a bit personal, so I said, look, didn't want the person coming out the front because it was a bit... I thought it might be a, a sexual abuse situation or just really dysfunctional family. I didn't want to put... So, um, so I'm just uh, waiting there after the service and there's people are going to have coffee. And then the, one of the pastors brings this girl along, young woman, and she's crying and, and like weeping and, 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 and she said, it's me, it's me. I said, oh, let's sit down and talk. She said, I'm home at four o'clock and I get this impression. She only comes in the morning because she's got a bunch of kids. She, she, she says, go to church. Just go to church. No, I don't go to church. And then again, around quarter to four, service starts for go to church, you need to go to church. So she couldn't shake it. She says to her husband, look, I could go to church tonight. He goes, well, we don't normally go Sunday night and the kids haven't eaten and there's school tomorrow morning. She goes, I don't know. She goes, but i just got to go. I've got this impression. Anyway, so she comes in. She was the person I had that word for. And it opened up a conversation where I was able then to say, to get my little book, The Me I Can Be, and, and share one of the testimonies of one of the women and say, look, this could be for you. And so uh, then I, I went away overseas, came back, spoke to her, and I said, how are you doing? She goes, fantastic. We put her on to a counsellor because you need, you know, for someone that's had terrible abuse, a professional counsellor within the church, and she's working through the process, and I'm thinking, and you see her now, she's actually alive. It was before she was like, like this, she's alive, and the process of healing has started. That is satisfying, that God can give you a gift of the Holy Spirit that you can go to somebody and speak it and see the end result that God had already been speaking to them. You can do that. Not just me, you can do it. God can give you a gift of the Spirit to have somebody at your work or within the life of the church and, and, and God can use you to, for a miraculous work to begin in a person's life. This is normal New Testament Christianity, church. Do you believe it? Three of you nodded your head. Do you really believe it? Come on, it's you. You're the body of Christ. Let's stand together. I want to close in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the privilege of meeting together here as the Hills Christian Family Centre. Thank you, Lord, for the vision you've given to us about your church. That it's not a vision of man, created by man, but it's a vision that you have, Lord, through your son Jesus, and it's executed and outworked by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, as Christian family-centered churches and particularly our Hills Church here, I pray that every person here will say amen to this, that it's not some gimmick, it's not some addition to the gospel or retraction from it, but this is the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he wants to do and can do in and through us. And Lord, may it occur here. May it occur here. Give wisdom, Lord, to the pastors here, to the leadership team here. And, and may they go forward with a, a really fresh vision of this is normal New Testament Christianity. And, and may we be conformed and aligned to it, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have come here today and you want prayer and uh, you have particular needs. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ and, and you want to receive him as your saviour. I'd love to pray with you and to share with you.
further. And there's a healing team, isn't there? A prayer team that's here, and they'll be down here uh, ready to pray with you. And uh, if any of you, look, particularly for some of you that are saying, look, this vision of the church, if you haven't read the church, we can be, I go into this in a lot of detail. I've got copies of my three books there that uh, helps you to understand the vision and life of the church and what we're on about. So every blessing. God bless you. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks, Bill. Um, Just invite the music team to come. Okay, we're over time. Oh, yeah. Wow. Bill, uh, really just wanted to uh, thank you, Bill. And, yeah, Philly, I invite you to to come forward now too um, for just sharing uh, from your life, from the word, painting a picture of what um, a church is and can be. Um, It's fantastic. Um, I just wanted to share a few little announcements and then hand over to Philia just to to seal the service today, um, talking about really what church means to her and what family means to her. Um, So just a few things. As you leave, please grab a letter um, in terms of the announcements around staffing for next year. Catch up with Monica, register for Flourish. Uh, There's a little table there. If you'd like to purchase one of Bill's books, there's an opportunity to do that. Uh, Bill's happy to sign those as well. Um, Yeah, I think that is it. I'd really just like to finish with Philia. She was just keen to share something with us today. I thought it'd be a wonderful way to finish today. So I'll ask Philia to share. Um, People are free to leave after that. The prayer team will be up the front. Um, If you want prayer on anything, please do so. If something in today's message has got you thinking about baptism, I'd also challenge you to catch up with me or one of the leadership team and say, yeah, that's something I want to do. Uh, We are planning on having a baptism soon. So, yeah, if, if you've just been spoken to by the Lord in that area as well, please touch base with me or one of the leadership team. Philia, thanks for your patience. I'll hand over to you now. Um, You've noticed I haven't been to church for a long time. And um, even my husband comes in 10 o'clock on Sunday and says, why aren't you getting out of bed and go to church? But last week I was volunteering at the op shop in Sterling and I saw a family from here which don't ask me who they are. I mean, the names, I don't remember the names. They were carrying their daughters, which they used to be so small, and now they're big with the grandkids. And I tell you, I ran outside and I gave them a hug. I didn't want to let them go. And that's what makes me realize. We are called the family, Christian Family Center, but this is our family. This is my family. And I want to say thank you for your prayers. Keep praying for my family and overseas. And I just want to know how much I love you. That's all. I'm sorry I can't talk anymore. Thank you, Philia. Thanks for that. We are so much blessed by having Philia as a part of this family. It's wonderful that she could share that with you. Yeah, so that's great. Um, Time to go and spend the time in fellowship. Uh, Prayer team will be here at the front uh, as well if you need prayer for anything. Thanks for being a part of today.